a fucking penis on this album cover. Hey everyone, this is Alex here, and welcome back to another episode of the Two Dudes Brews and Reviews podcast. Today we're talking about the classic 1993 album, Siamese Dream, by the Smashing Pumpkins. We drink bourbon while recording this episode, so forgive us if we go off topic here more often than we usually do. Other than that, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, and if possible, share us with your friends. With that being said, we hope you enjoy the show. been on vacation i wanted to ask you about it but i wanted to save it for the podcast yeah i just came back from orlando on uh today's monday so i came back on thursday night me and the wife went to disney world we visited all four of the parks and that was pretty exciting i think i told you already but our flight was at a really weird time yeah like didn't it fuck up your schedule like your whole like day yeah i was i was so jet lagged on saturday when we got there we had to get up at three in the morning Mm -hmm. to catch a 6 a.m flight we landed in Orlando around like 8.30, got the rental car, got coffee and breakfast, and went straight to Epcot. <laughs> I'm not underselling it when I say I was fucking dead Yeah. before we even stepped foot inside the amusement park. Like, what time What time did your flight land? About 8.30 in the morning. So, what time did you, like, did you, like, did you get to Epcot? Like, in the afternoon, or? By the time we got the rental car and, like, went and got breakfast and all that, it was probably about, like, 10.30 when Jesus. we got there. You came pretty early for Epcot. It was busy. Really? I was yeah. going to ask you, like, how... Because I went back in January, and, like, the capacity was, like... And it was right after Christmas. Like, it was just right after Christmas. Like, it was, a, uh, I think we went, like, maybe the 6th through the 11th, and it was, like, dead. Because, like, they just had, like, their big Christmas, you know, mm. celebration stuff, and they still had, like, all the Christmas uh, decorations up and stuff. So, it was, like, kind of slow. And I remember being there, and they were, like... The people said, like, last week was, like, still really busy, and, like, they had, like, the New Year's celebration and all that. So, like, but so we came, like, the week after, and it was, like, pretty slow. But, like, how was, like, the other parks and stuff? Like, were they, like, like the capacity? Because I think they were only, like, 25% capacity while we were there. Um, It wasn't that bad, aside from the Saturday we went to Epcot. Mm. Well, also, you got to think, like, people that live there, people that have, like, um, pass, pass like, the people that live in Florida, they probably go on, like, the weekends and stuff. I think we went maybe, like, on a... Th- I want to say like a Thursday, like sometime during the week and it wasn't that busy. So that's probably why it was so busy. I was a little disappointed because the last time me and my wife went to Disney World, we didn't hit Epcot at all. Mm. So like this time we were like, well, we're going to hit Epcot first, not thinking about the jet lag and everything. Mm-hmm. So when we were like complete zombies walking around on a very busy Saturday, I feel like I didn't really get the experience, the park, the way it should be. I still enjoyed it. We rode a couple rides while we were there and... I got to have some beer and I'm sure the uh, around around the world section of the park. What did you end up having? It was um it was in the Canadian section of mm-hmm. the park. It was something called like it had a French Canadian name mm-hmm. like La Fin Monde or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Really? It was very good. It was nine percent beer though. So putting that on top of my jet lag, it like it ended my life. Did you like, feel like a drunk man? Yes. Like, yeah, I bet you did. Like I've it, done that before too. It's tough. Not like not to that extent, but like just drink a beer when you're really tired, and it just like amps up the effects yeah. like a ton. Mm-hmm. So after after I had the beer, we were like, "Let's go home. <laughs> like, let's go to the Airbnb." Because I was done at that point. Yeah, but it was cool though. I'm trying to think what I had while I was there. I think I um I know I got a margarita in Mexico, but it was like a 
it wasn't like just a normal ass margarita. I want to say it was like my stepbrother got like a blackberry. I think it was like maybe like some sort of passion fruit or something. It was good. I think I saw the place that you're talking about because the line was huge for this place. Yeah. Like there was like tons of people waiting for margaritas. I think there's probably, there's one outside. And then when like, when you go down into like the temple, there's like a, like a place, like just a bar that like makes up specialty margaritas. Oh, really? So like down in there, cause you know how like it's dark and then like it's made to look like night and like there's that restaurant in there and stuff. Like when you first get in, like down the stairs to the right, there's like a little bar and that's where I got it. They had like very expensive liquors on the wall and stuff. It was like really cool, huh? but that's where I got it. And it was like, it was okay. I don't think, uh, I wouldn't pick it over like a normal margarita. You can't, you can't go wrong with a classic, just lime margarita. I don't like frozen margaritas. I prefer, like, the tequila and oh, yeah. lime. Like, that's what I like. I don't like... I don't like frozen drinks in general. Really. Yeah, me I don't. I don't like slushies or snow cones or nothing like that. Now, the ladies, my lady, she likes a frozen margarita. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah, just get... I want it on, the, like, the rocks, bro. That's what I want. I want salt on the rim. Yeah. That's how I prefer it. As far as rides go, I, I rode pretty much... Like, over the two times I've been to Disney, I think I've ridden everything except for the good Avatar ride. Mm-hmm. The line was, like, like long when we were there. And I've never ridden Splash Mountain, and the line for that was really long, too. Mm-hmm. But the coolest ride was fucking Mickey Mickey's. Mouse and Minnie's Railroad. Yeah, like the Runaway Railway or something like I can't remember what it's called. I think maybe it amazed me so much because, like, I didn't know anything about the ride before we went on it. Same here, yeah. It makes you think it's like a slow moving like train ride at first, then it splits off into this like wild yeah like because like all the the cars are independent of each yeah. other, and it doesn't seem like that when you feel like first get on the ride. It threw me off too. I was like, what in the world is going on? I didn't understand how the cars moved around because like there's no track at some point. Like you're just moving around on a big floor, mm-hmm. and like all the cars are like kind of independently doing their own thing. But they line up in a train at the beginning, so like it really yeah. yeah. They're like designs these rides are like geniuses. So uh, that's how I know you didn't do the new Star Wars stuff, and that's how the new Star Wars ride is also. That's how it is. Is it a little bit more wild than the, yeah. the Mickey one? It's a little bit like it's pretty immersive. The way it's set up like puts you in, takes your mind, and like try they try to immerse you in the world of Star Wars, like make you feel part of a story kind of thing. And yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. But um, there's actually one part spoilers, I guess, if you. Do you mind if I tell you? It's going to be a long time before I go back, so go ahead. And then you've never seen... I haven't seen any yeah. movies. So, either, yeah. Really. There's a spot, like, because the, the ride opens up, like, you get into, like, a shuttle, and, like, you're citizens, and, like, you get, like, intercepted by... You're being intercepted, and, like, even, like, the people that can, like, take you in line and stuff are, like, role-playing, basically, as, like, Star Wars people, like, Imperial officers and stuff. Ah. Like, they interrogate you and, like, push you forward and stuff, and uh, the ride makes it seem like you're, you're, like, getting intercepted, and they take you to, like, an Imperial ship. And so when you get off, like, this little shuttle, you go straight into like a an imperial base and it's like just like the movies it's crazy how like immersive it gets and then like they take you to processing and you like get to go inside the hangar and it feels so real i'll show you after i actually have a picture of it like i refrain from showing people because i don't want to spoil it it's so immersive because you like you can see out into space yeah and it's like and i'm sure the effects are like incredible it's like 
the first second you're just like, holy shit, like this is right in front of me. Like it feels like you're on set. It's so crazy. But did you get to do Avatar? Like, did you do it? Like, did you wait? No. Damn, get her. Damn. I know. I wanted you I know. to do it so bad. I, I did the um the river the ride. River. I didn't do that last time. I'd never done it before this last time I went, so that was new for me. Mm. I wasn't I wasn't a big fan. Like, yeah. It, like it was cool visually, but there was like no story on the ride. Yeah, was, like yeah, there's no like it was just narrative. Like a, it was just a basic boat ride through some like pretty scenery. Yeah. And that's how that's how I perceived it as well. I was I was underwhelmed. Damn. Damn, I wish you would have done the flight of passage. How long was the line, do you think? God, it was like it was probably only ninety minutes or something. Yeah. But my wife didn't want to wait. Well, hey, one of these days. <laughs> Fucking greatest idea ever. Elizabeth doesn't ride roller coasters, so we'll go. We'll have to double up and go to Disney World one of these days. And then me and you can go ride all the fucking rides we want, and they can just go fucking shop around with our credit cards or some shit. Yeah. I'm I'm not afraid of anything. I'll I'll ride the craziest 500-foot tall coaster, even though Disney doesn't have that. But I would do it if they did. Yeah. The only ride that's like kind of like a a thrill seeker is uh, Expedition Everest. And yeah. Even that's like pretty subtle, but that man, that ride is so fun. We rode it twice while we were there. That's a cool one. Ah, it's so fun. I like appreciated it when I went back. I felt like uh, like I appreciated going back so much more. Like as an adult, like I'm like, bro, like this is like after you like work all the time and you know like in school and shit. I'm like, bro, I need a vacation. And like I appreciate it so much more when I'm older. Like I acted like a little fucking kid when I went. I was like, nah, fuck these people. I don't care what I look like. I wore like the dumbest shit and like I was like, fuck them. I'm, I'm I'm in Disney World. I'm having a good time. Dude, you got you got to live sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Overall though, the trip was fun, man. I mean. Orlando in general was pretty cool. Had a lot of good like vegan food and stuff when I was there, including the best chicken tenders I've ever had in my life. Mm. That includes like when I ate meat too. Mm. That's a bold fucking statement. Yeah, dude. Olivia thought the same thing too. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And she's not even like vegetarian. Where was it at? It was some place called like Winter Park Biscuit Company. It was just like chicken biscuits and fries. The was most it simple shit? But was it in the park? It was like in Orlando, oh, the okay. city. You guys got an Airbnb, so you probably got to go like go other places and shit. Yeah, we um we also went to uh, Cape Canaveral, which is where the Kennedy Space Center is. Oh, we didn't get to go inside because they closed at four, and we got there at, like five. Ah. and it was also like fifty five dollars to get inside. So I probably would have said no. Mm. But we got to see like the space shuttle and like that's cool. That's where I get this. this oh, okay. Uh, I was gonna NASA say I was just shirt, about to ask you, which oddly enough is. It was unintentional, but kind of fitting for the the album we're talking about today, at least in a very vague sense, because of song titles like Rocket and Space Boy. S- yeah, Space Boy. I almost said Star Boy, like The Weekend. Like The Weekend. <laughs> That's a good album. That's kind of on the list of, among other things. It's tough though because um, even with my recommend, fuck, I haven't like really thought about what my recommendation is. Like I haven't like thought about it in my head. Like. Hmm, what am I deciding? I know what I'm doing though, but I like had been contemplating it all day, but yeah. I, know, I know what I'm doing. But I don't want to talk about like shit that we've talked about before with each other, really. What do you mean? Like, like, like outside say we, of the podcast? Yeah, like if we do like Blonde or like, uh, I've been like really wanting to do a Brockhampton record, especially anticipating their newest record coming out. I was like, damn, like I want to do that. But also like me and you've like seen them live together and like, We've also like like listen to him all the time and, and I can talk about it regularly. So like uh I I like I like shit like this because um I feel like it's more exploratory like putting like pushing the comfort zone of each other and stuff. Yeah. It's a lot more fun and then like I appreciate it even more way after like after I've listened or watched and I feel like I add to my arsenal. 
Yeah, like, we're always like introducing each other to new things. I mean, yeah. same thing happened with like you uh, recommending the king. Yeah, and, and like Abbey like, Road. Yeah, yeah, like it's just stuff I wouldn't, I don't think I would have gotten into on my own, and then I ended up liking it, like really enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. Also, like the thing is, is like, uh, I don't want to recommend shit that I don't think you'll like. Like, I know we keep joking about like recommending like Limp Biscuit or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> but like but like just you know like it's coming one of these days i'm Austin. sure it you will fucking brace yourself uh, fucking boy some hot dog water and like shit like that i don't want to recommend shit i don't think you'll like but i like want to push you in a direction that i think uh, that you, can, you you know what i mean you can rec- recommend anything you want man True. Even, even if i don't like it it'll be interesting to go back and forth it'll just like, yeah it'll just be me and you saying fuck you back and forth <laughs> so that's kind of how parts of the interstellar episode were and i liked that movie a lot yeah you're playing devil's advocate though a lot too i thought i was that's all right i was i was being a little gimmicky on that one that was hard to navigate it was a hard movie to navigate because the movie is so sectioned i guess it's so split up based on time and stuff so i don't know that's one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far. Same. Speaking of which, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes, I think. I that, don't know. that surprises me. Really? Yeah, because when I recommended uh, Siamese Dream initially, I didn't know what your reaction to it would be. Because a long time ago, you told me that you really don't like 90s like grunge or alt-rock. Mm-hmm. And like this is like a, a favorite of mine from my teenage years and stuff. So I was like, he might love it, he might hate it, he might be indifferent to it. And I wasn't sure which direction that would be. So um, I'm interested. When I okay, let me preface: we've been getting fucked at work, bad, and you know this. And you were on vacation, and we have like group chats, and like where like managers are reaching out for people to come help deli- deliver pizzas and stuff. It sounds like I left the state at the perfect time. You did, because if not, you'd have been stuck there to, like, at least 11 o'clock at, like, the earliest every night. And, like, usually that's, like, pushing pretty late for you. If I got school the next day, but yeah. on any other day, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world or anything. But, like, it's been really, really bad. Usually, like, we have a pretty good handle on things, even when it's pretty busy. But with, like, the stimulus checks going out, I swear people just, like, needed something to spend their money on. And Domino's Pizza and Domino's what they Pizza, chose. Dude, Domino's... From my motherfucking Domino's, like some sh- like that's how it was all fucking week. I f- I swear, orders were hours late. It was crazy, and so I tried to listen to this record during that, like oh, like during like like chaotic during times. chaotic pizza delivery time, and it like wasn't clicking. I couldn't get it to click. Like mm. I was really worried too, and I had been putting it off like the whole week because I like started it earlier in the week, like Monday night when we got fucked, like for the first time because it's Monday beginning of the week this shit ain't clicking i'm so worried it's not gonna be a good episode and then like uh it probably wasn't until like thursday where i like sat down and i was like let me listen to a few songs and like let me like let me get through like the whole album in one sitting because i got like halfway through and i was like this shit ain't clicking and like i've heard songs like today and disarm before so like i was i was familiar when they came out like i knew i've I've listened to 96 point you know what rock or whatever like yeah local cincinnati or dayton channel and so like i was like super like anxious that i wasn't gonna like it over like from like thursday to today started really liking the album like it's like i had to like get like in an openness frame of mind like i had to be like okay because my vibe was off too like because i've been listening to brockhampton and i've been listening to like like more metal like post-hardcore because we were listening to tree sessions by uh dance gavin dance my vibe has just been off and i couldn't like get in the frame of 90s 
at all. But that, like that's perfectly understandable too. And because uh, when I hear it too, I I only think of like being a child and hearing it in the back seat, and it's like hard mm. for me to like kind of want to like take it in currently like i just think it like oh, man this shit's so fucking old and i could like for just for some reason like i just couldn't get it to click but over time i like really started to enjoy it after like sitting down i mean like just like just taking it in more i just felt like i had a lot more respect for it and yeah. like i like I, I just felt better i felt better about it i mean i, I love a lot of the album i'm glad to hear that I was I was like pleasantly surprised with myself because like I thought like all week long like man like I'm gonna crush Getter's heart here by not liking this album but like it just grew on me I just had to get in that vibe I, I knew it was a little far fetched to recommend this one to you because like even when we get done recording our episodes of the podcast and we go continue drinking throughout the night and listening to music you never play heavily distorted sounding you know rock music. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was driving home from Miami, Oxford today, and I was playing the record, and it's, like, just, like, so loud and distorted, like, pretty consistently. Yeah. And I was thinking, God, I bet Austin hated this. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, too, because, like, upon first listens, like, I was, like, having a hard time, like, catching on to shit. Like, I was having a hard time, like, getting my mind in the flow with the music. Like, I just felt like it was obnoxious background noise to, like, a shitty night I was having at work. I like listened to it a couple times while I was working out and stuff. And then I think um, like having like those like endorphins helped a lot. Helped like associate some positive emotions yeah. with the record. Especially songs like Silverfuck. Like <laughs> while I'm working out, I'm like, yes. <laughs> that, that's a pump and iron song right there. Yeah. If I ever heard one. For the, for the most part, that song's pretty, uh, pretty heavy. That's the thing though. Like the whole album is like heavy, dreamy, psychedelic, heavy, dreamy. Heavy, dreamy, psychedelic. Like it, it definitely bounces between the moods. Yeah, like, quite often. E- like even within songs. So like the yeah, like songs change a lot. Like while doing like a lot of research for it, that also like helped me gain a lot of respect for it as well. And then like once they were pointed out to me, I started paying attention a lot more to like specific sounds. Like um, being able to pull out the different like overdubbings of like guitar because it'd be like left channel, right channel, left channel, right channel heavy clean distortion all kinds of shit like it was just super technical yeah and it was like um which is not really a term associated with like grunge grunge music music very often which makes me kind of hesitant to even call this record grunge although the term grunge i don't really like in general because i I, just think of nirvana right grunge makes me think of a movement more than a genre Mm -hmm. because like alive for it i was like born after nirvana was you know, I was only two when Kurt Cobain died, mm. but I mean, like all the grunge bands have like their own subgenres. Like Nirvana was kind of punk. Like Alice in Chains was kind of metal. Is Pearl Jam considered grunge? Yeah, yeah, they're part okay. of that. Okay. But I mean, even them. I mean, I don't associate them together though. Yeah, they're they're all like just their own different styles. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like when I hear grunge, I only think of Nirvana in my brain. I hear grunge, I associate Nirvana. I associate Nirvana with like the local. Do you know the um? Do you know the restaurant across the street from the post office in Middletown? It used to be like a like a wings and rings place right there. No, I, where, I know what you're talking about because my mom used to take me there after when, I got done swimming at the YMCA. When, when I was, I was little, I used to get dinosaur nuggets there, dude. Yes. All right, we're on the fucking so, same wavelength yeah, right now. I, I right. did the same thing, dude. The uh, they had a, a jukebox there. That had fucking like um, that Nirvana album. Uh, was it Nevermind? I think it was the one with the baby on the, the baby front. and the penis. And like yeah. me and Blake would be over there, like we'd be like, "Bro, 
there's a fucking penis on this album cover. Like, we just, like, you could click the button and, like, the thing would come over. And, like, every time it was, like, penis. <laughs> like, <laughs> me and Blake would be uh, getting the claw. Like, we'd get on claw machine. Bro, I don't know if you know this. I'm a claw machine master. Are you? Take my ass to Dave and Buster's. I'll, I'll win everything. I've always thought that, like, claw machines were a scam. Nah, bro. You gotta scam the scammers. Well, if, if we ever go to a place where I need a big stuffed bear out of a claw machine for my wife, I got, I then I'll, I'll call you in. I think me, I think me and Elizabeth are going there this weekend. I think the rumor, the rumor is that we're gonna go there on Saturday. The Dave and Buster's. Yeah, we, do we used to go there all the time? Do we I have like, to love going there? We have like fifteen thousand tickets. Like we have so many. Like we're just saving them up. I would never win tickets when I went there. I would only play House of the Dead. <sighs> Well, that makes sense because House of the Dead's right behind us. Yeah, I got on the Wii. Yeah, I wish I had the arcade. The arcade—that'd be crazy. They're probably like ten grand. Like they're probably so expensive. It's probably just like what they cost a lot to maintain too. Because if they break down, you got to go get somebody to come fix it. And Mm -hmm. I remember being really young, like uh, in my adolescence, and just being like, "When I'm older, I want to have an arcade cabinet in my house." And I remember like learning, like watching videos of like how to like get like uh, ROM emulators in like an arcade cabinet and i'm like i'm doing that one day like when i have my own place i'm doing that shit and i've totally forgot about it until right now look at us getting all off track dude we are off track this is kind of fun though all right <laughs> we're drinking miller light and whiskey so yeah we didn't talk about what we were drinking yeah we're just drinking miller light and uh and you're drinking old-fashioned i'm drinking a uh not a jack and coke but whiskey and coke yeah we're drinking some uh some rye bullet bourbon yep the miller's making me burp and so is the coca-cola you can do old fashions all day long, but not me. Did we do it for the B episode? Yeah, it was it was common. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Mm-mm. I like remember my face the whole time. I was like, Mm-mm. like you're a fucking man, not me, bro. Oh, I can't so do good. this, dude. You're fucking crazy. I can't. <laughs> I think like maybe as I get older, like I'll man up to do it, but like, Mm-mm. not me, not today. That's fair. It's not for everybody. I guess I have a question for you, kind of. Give me some questions. What's up? Besides, like being familiar with today and disarm from the radio Mm -hmm. do you have any kind of like relationship with the the smashing pumpkins music or is this kind of like the first time that you really dove into it yeah this is the first time i know disarm today 1979 you probably know like bullet with butterfly wings yeah that's a good song too yeah is that record after this one or the one before that's the one right after this okay all right i was gonna say like uh also can i just point out like from what i understand like this is mostly this is kind of like a solo record, like almost. <laughs> like, uh, like um, Billy yeah. had like a lot, like it was basically like 90% him, which yeah. like makes sense because it's an extremely intimate album. Yeah, Billy Corgan was like in like straight control freak mode during the recording of this record. Yeah, and then like the band almost break up and stuff, right? What's up with me recommending albums where the band is about to break up when they record it? Because that was the case with Kid A and Abbey Road, and then now Sign really? Dream. Radiohead was going to break up during that era? They came close. Well, that was ap- right after OK Computer, correct? Mm-hmm. Must be a running theme after, like, breakout <laughs> albums. Like, you you uh, run into the uh, unfortunate second album, you know, your sophomore album being, like, it's either a, a make-or-break kind of mm-hmm. moment, you know? And I swear it's not intentional on my part either. Like, it, I didn't mean to do that. It just kind of, like, is a pattern that developed mm-hmm. on its own. The funny thing is... The Pumpkins hadn't even broken out yet when they were recording this. Mm. I mean, their debut was like successful on like like an indie level, but this was their like mainstream break. Maybe like getting signed to a label made Billy Corgan crack under the yeah. the pressure or something. But based on the the subject matter of the album, 
This seems like he's been under a lot of pressure for like his whole fucking life. Yeah, it seems that way. Also, I like this album a lot because I felt like I related to it a lot. Yeah? In, yeah. in what way? Fuck, I'm already drunk, so like, just be careful with me. Okay. <laughs> Are you really drunk already? I'm fucking buzzed, like real bad. In the, a good way. I'm having a good time. But the, like, the whiskey will do that to you. The whiskey fucking got me quick. Dude, the whiskey... I'm telling you, bro, the whiskey is what it is. This shit never happens when we're drinking beer. Like, I feel... <laughs> <laughs> it isn't so much as it doesn't sneak up on you, but it like slaps you in the face. Yeah, I feel like um yeah, I feel like I've been like kicking the dick a little bit. But and I'm a little bit more open than usual. Just enjoy it. Yeah, oh, I am. Lay into it. I'm warm. This album like felt really um kinda close to home at some like some parts. Like in a like in a good way. Like I didn't like um well, I mean shit, I can relate to some of the negative aspects of it. Like I've been through a lot of a lot of shit growing up, so just like a lot of shit in the album was just like because he's coming off this like this depressive episode. I mean, there is songs like today is like literally a hundred percent sarcasm. I feel like towards the end of the album, songs like mayonnaise and like disarm, like bittersweet, learning to like remember this shit, like your shit happened, but like just being like moving forward and like living gracefully or like living more like you know what I mean. Sorry, just in a free Rambling. manner. Yeah, yeah, like just like. Embracing the shit. I'm, I'm glad that you grabbed on to like the lyrical aspect of the record because when we were going into this podcast, that was actually going to be one of the, the things I was going to critique a little bit. Mm. Not the subject matter itself, but the way Billy Corgan writes it at some point. Some one, some one-liners and mayonnaise. Like, uh, you got any, any in, in particular in mind? Well, I just mean like, um, like the lyrics are, they're like deep, bro. They're fucking deep. It's not like quotable type stuff, really. Yeah, it's like really like complex words. The message they convey, like really powerful and like super intimate. I don't know if it's that aspect alone, but also like it's so fucking hard to understand what he's saying sometimes if you're the lyrics aren't right in front of you. That's true. And it's like I, that works against it a little bit. The instrumentation's usually like kind of overpowering Drowning. a lot of the you know the words out. It's like. 70% instrumental and like which I assume is an effect over his voice or is that just the way his voice naturally sounds it just feels like they're like he's singing through a strainer it's I think I mean like it might be like a limitation of like just 90s production mm -hmm. but I mean he sounds like that really yeah because he has like a really nasally sound like it sounds good and it works but like I just couldn't tell if it was like an effect See, I, like I, some sort of reverbation or something there might be like a lot of reverb on the mm -hmm. production because this record was like famously overproduced. Like I don't know if you read that or not, but mm -mm. the way that they recorded it, they went over the budget by like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, by a lot. Because like Billy Corgan, like just wouldn't he wanted to be a perfectionist. He's like, so nah, bro, up? They layered like vocal takes on top of each other, like just piled them up. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. The overdubbing of guitar is like littered through the whole album. I mean, it's like a running theme. Yeah, it really is. I think it is in like every, I think it's in like every song. I mean. It's like um, overwhelming at some points. Very overwhelming. Like Silver, Silver Fuck, dude. What a fucking name. Uh, <laughs> quiet's pretty, hum, Hummer. Yeah, they're just dense. Like yeah. layers and layers of noise just piled on top of each other. That probably played a big fact. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it was hard to grab. Like at the beginning, I'm like, I need to, I'm like, I knew for a fact I'm gonna, I was going to have to like sit and simmer with the album for a while because it was it's like hard to digest. Like it's not like super disorienting. Like we were talking about this earlier, like Iridescence by Brockhampton. Really disorienting, really messy. I like it a lot. 
But upon first listen, like you don't pick out everything that like when you go back to and your brain gets familiar with these songs. Like, uh, but like the guitar parts, like they're not that. If it's all guitar, it's not like a bunch of sound effects, like in iridescence, that's like sirens and and all different types of fucking weird effects over you know and, and like everybody's samples and... everybody's voices and shit. Yeah, but the guitar. They're familiar, like you know, it's fucking guitar, and it's not like really disorienting, but it's still really like dense. There's like this, this fuzziness about mm-hmm. it. I don't know if you're familiar with like shoegaze music at all. Notice that was like the one of the subgenres littered throughout description and stuff of songs. It was like semi popular in the 90s, but mm-hmm. I, I would say shoegaze is like really, really fuzzy rock with like mm-hmm. a dreamy aesthetic to it. Like, that's probably like the most basic way I can. That's like what this album sounded like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, I fucking liked it though, which like surprised me a lot, but it was also like I just had to get in a mindset of like sometimes the podcast feels like work, but like in a good way. Like, it feels like a book report or like, um, like an essay sometimes. Like, I feel like I have to like. Sometimes you, like, have to, like, I mean, you can listen to music and, like, just take it for, like, face value and stuff, but, like, because of the nature of the podcast, like, we kind of have, got to have something to talk about. So, like, uh, you know, like, you do a lot of work, and uh, even, like, if you do work on shit you don't like for school, like, at least you have, like, a better understanding of, like, what you were doing. Yeah. That's kind of, like, what the podcast is like, you know? So, like, you tend to appreciate a little bit of, like, whatever you're going to review or whatever our subject is. That's a good way to put it. One of the things that I feel like that I didn't hear enough get talked about was like the drumming on the album. I'm glad you said that. The um, drumming is incredible on this record. I was going to say, while uh, going through again the day with notes and like uh, doing like a, a true like album analysis, like sitting down, and that's the only thing I do, which is usually what I do um, before podcast anyway, like gets me really fresh, very familiar with it. I listen to, to Quiet. And there's a a specific part at like the minute 30 spot. The song like slows down for about 15 to 20 seconds. And I couldn't help but notice it sounded like a Radiohead song. I'll have to show you later. I don't know why. Really? But I rem- it, it reminded me of Radiohead. There's just like only, only 20 seconds and it's like cymbal. And it's like... I think I know you're talking about. And like the guitar and vocals start drowning out and then you get like a slow rise in the in the drumming and it's like very uh jazzy and like upbeat and like mm-hmm. then the the cymbal is hitting at a like a really fast tempo not my fucking tempo <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i like immediately like clicked in my head i'm like radiohead and then it was like, <laughs> like it just like picked back up into like heavy ass guitar it was just so it was just like one of those moments where i'm like hmm it's funny you say that because like this record like precedes Radiohead. Yeah, this is like Radiohead's debut came out in the same year this did. But mm-hmm. the Smashing Pumpkins were at a way higher rate of quality than Radiohead was at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a that's a good point. So say Radiohead. I mean, their breakout would have been OK Computer, and then it was Kid A. Yeah, they didn't start getting good to like the the bins and on. So I actually, dude, I listened to that recently. I listen, after the podcast went and listened to Radiohead. Cause we'll, shit, we'll fucking we'll play it upstairs later tonight. I'm sure we always do. Like we always play a couple of Radiohead songs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, like we never really talk about the Bends, or like it never really comes up. But I listened to a couple songs. I love the Bends. It it's, um, it's, it's very 90s. Yeah, but, that's. But a, I was gonna say that it uh, it's weird to hear them at like a less advanced stage. Yeah, like, playing just straight up Brit rock music. That's a perfect way to. Ex- Cause I'm like, <laughs> it felt like such a step down, but I also like appreciated it more. Because I'm like, bro, like, this is before, like, full evolution, man. Like, they're about to take off. 
that's a lot of people's like favorite record by them. Really? Because it's like so stripped down. Yeah. Like before they introduced all a bunch of new elements into their music, which I get, but it's not one of my favorites. Piss break. So before we went on break, you were mentioning the drumming, like how yeah. it stood out to you. And you mentioned that there was a, a jazzy aspect to the drumming on yeah. tracks like Quiet. It's interesting because uh, Jimmy Chamberlain, the, the drummer for the Smashing Pumpkins, was actually a jazz drummer before uh, he got picked up by the band. Okay. So Makes there's, sense. there's a lot of like detail and like nuance, a lot of nuance to like the drumming. The drumming throughout the record is like really active. Like it's always doing something off kilter, like at every moment, mm-hmm. and it really like spices up like the the rhythm of these songs. Mm-hmm. That's the thing because it's so guitar heavy. Like how he stated, like there's so much overdubbing. It's kind of like like you kind of forget that there, there's like percussion to the songs. Like there's like a a constant guitar riff almost always through like the majority of the songs. Like, there are a few songs where it's, like, Disarm, Mayonnaise, Space Boy. Not, Space Boy has drumming. Those songs, like, feel a little bit more intimate. They're not as, like... Um, like, the drummer's not showing off as much on those. Yeah, and, like, even the, the guitar is, like, toned down a lot on a lot of those songs. Like, because um, songs like... Uh, is it Sherub? I usually pronounce it Sherub. Sherub, okay. Yeah. That's a new word in my vocabulary. Um, I have no idea what it means either. Me neither. Like, it just is, like, really heavy distortion, a constant, a constant, like, rhythm. I saw a, a description of, like, a guitar wall, like, a constant wall. Of sound. Of, that's pushing toward, like, just, <laughs> yeah, like, like a, a consistent, like, push in your fucking ear of heavy guitar. It wasn't a bad thing littered throughout. Like shit like that like just drowns out the percussion a lot. Just because there's just so much guitar, like you just forget. Like I just feel like you forget a lot. I, I agree to an extent. But I feel like the way that the, the drums are produced, the snare is so hard hitting. Although I mean like but a lot of the time the the melodic element of the guitars is so interesting that your ears are just gonna like drift that way mm-hmm. like you're just gonna be paying attention to that maybe on a few listens into the record and you start listening to the drums you're like holy shit the drums on this thing are fucking crazy too i feel like some of the album like the drum helps pick up the verses and like bring you back into the melodic aspects of the song like you can just hear like Ka-ka. And then it just picks up back into like uh, some of the lyrics. Like uh, I'm trying to think of us. Like Space Boy is one of those songs that makes me think like that because you're. It's like really dreamy, and the beginning of the song is. Uh, I don't know. It's pro- it's acoustic, right? Yeah, that's uh-huh. the, one of the acoustic songs. That whole like maybe like a minute and a half, I would say, is like I only can hear like vocals, guitar. You're picking up like into the to the middle of the song. Like the drums come in to like bring the song to like almost like completion not like finishing the song but like bringing like, it all together yeah bringing it together the fucking drums were great because they have like that dreamy quality i like it i like that's like my favorite aspect of the album also the album is like super like complete as a whole like it is so perfect like no song feels out of place yeah maybe maybe silver fuck but like i feel like that song ties in every aspect of the album into like one giant riff yeah. Like in a way that... That was a song I was going to single out as mm-hmm. maybe being disposable, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that sounds harsh. No, it is uh, it is the only song, though, that I think like that. Mm-hmm. Like Sweet Sweet is like an interlude. 
it's like the only interlude really but that it still works it's interesting coming after silver fuck though yeah that track is such a chaotic mess that we like immediately go into this little you know minute and 30 second ditty i want to say folk but it's like a little, uh, yeah. little, little dream pop song i was or gonna something. say because it this is like gonna be like a, a quote like a running quote but like in my notes <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> i put down a delicious transition folksy banjo like guitar has a hillbilly tone to it because it, it like uh hillbilly it has some fucking blue grassy fucking quality to it because like uh it's electric but it it's like the tone the, of the tone guitar. of it, it it feels like um it, it reminds me of sun king from abbey road a lot like that tone for some reason it reminds me of like those crickets ah, a lot for okay. some reason uh, that, that makes sense it just did for some reason it's probably just because of that tone that like the reverb on the guitar man do the tones on the guitar fucking wild on this album because some of, some of the solos sound really out there uh-huh. like in Silverfuck, um that song is uh it reminds me of like like a grunge pink floyd song okay because it's yeah. like just one it, the song's like i think it's like eight minutes seven minutes long it's about nine minutes yeah okay i was gonna yeah. say yeah it just reminds me because it's like heavy and then there's like a two minutes of like real dreamy like a dreamy riff it reminds me of Pink Floyd because um, Pink Floyd songs. I'm all, here, pigs for example. Yeah, you know I love that song. Three different ones specifically. You're going through verse, riff, cool down, verse, riff, cool down, verse, riff, cool down, kind of deal. Like you're getting good songs to do drugs to right here. Like silver, <laughs> silver fuck is that song. I feel like it's so odd that this is the one that you throughout the podcast you've gravitated towards talking about. Yeah, I, know. I, I thought this would be like a least favorite of yours. Well, I did not like it. Upon reading and uh, research, Billy Corgan said like people walk out because they like play this song like for forever. Like they play it like longer than it's supposed to be. And like mm-hmm. it's one of those songs that like um, they change up. You mean like no when re- they play live or something? Yeah, like like they know there's like no repeating parts kind of deal. Oh, yeah. It's and got a progressive nature to it for sure. Yeah, and so like they can like... I think like when they recorded it, they just like picked like a way it was a way it was constructed and like this is the way it was presented. But like I think from what I understood, like they just like can play it pretty much any way they want and like change up and like scrap parts and like bring shit back in. And like mm. they finally they were just like, This is the one, I guess. <laughs> like the jam session that this song originated from was exactly. probably like thirty minutes long or something. I was gonna say, like, cause it said like saying something like during concerts it was like 45 minutes long and people like just fucking left if i saw them live i don't want to see a 45 minute rendition of silver fuck i've been to some dave matthews concerts and sometimes i'm like bro this song isn't this long like i'm like this is no like (laughs) this this one doesn't need to go 15 minutes i was gonna say like shit like um dude sometimes like 20 minutes on like 41 like they'll play 41 for like 20 minutes and it's like which is like one of their more popular songs but i'm like well, you need those those three extra fi- fiddle solos yeah. on your on your dave matthews concert uh-huh. you know? and you get like a carter fucking drum solo and then yeah bring it back to the sax bring it back to the trumpet dave playing guitar tim reynolds shit like that you know i guess that's the fun of going to a show even if like, the audience gets tired but that's like how like a band feels alive like yeah that's like really how they like connect on stage and yeah well like the thing is is like you fucking you wean them out, man. You wean out the fucking fans, like yeah. Like, are the, you here or not? Like, yeah. kind of deal. Yeah, wean out the posers. Wean out the fucking. I listen to Satellite and Forty One and fucking whatever. Ants marching. Fuck you. Don't <laughs> even. 
like I'm I'm too fucking educated with Dave Matthews because my childhood is like 2003 Chevy Trailblazer, fucking backseat Austin and Blake Purdue, Dave Matthews every day of my life. You know, I just I just fucking know way too much. <laughs> I don't know. That shit's ingrained in your DNA, dude. Dave Matthews helped construct my childhood. Thank you, Dave. What are like the standout tracks for you on this record? Mm. Today and Disarm. I mean, I don't want to like go on for too long about them, but like I I fall in the category of not under like thinking today was a good a happy song until mm. further examination. So you read the story about what yes. it's really about. Yes. Well, because like um it and it probably one of the aspects that plays into it is like how I said earlier, like sometimes you don't understand what Billy Corgan's saying. And so you only pick out the positives, the positive lyrics of like today is the greatest, you know, whatever. And then, but you don't look and see like he's talking about the irony of some of his lyrics is like, yeah, today's the greatest because I'm going to fucking kill myself. Like I don't have to worry no more. Yeah. And I'm like, or, or like today is the greatest because it can't get any worse. Yeah. Like it can only go up from here. Yeah. Both of those yeah. ideologies right there. And it's weird. It is a real. It is a real thing, though. Like, uh, I mean, I've been I've been extremely depressed before, so like, I I mean, I'm not gonna say I don't understand. Yeah, and it's a real fucking thing. And it's like you think like you're alone and like no one gives a fuck, mm-hmm. and like you're really alienated, dude. Fucking looking back on it, you're like, bro, what a fucking bitch I was. <laughs> but like, you know, like this just you just get trapped in your own head sometimes. Yeah. Like I I know how it is. Yeah, I've been there. Plenty of times. Yeah, same. Like, it, it fucking, I mean, this album connected with me so much. Like, you learn to live well. You learn to live, and it's, like, kind of fucking cliche, but, like, I don't know, dude. You just, like, learn to live better, and you learn to, like, yeah, it's just, like, not not that big of a deal. Yeah. Like, even though, like, shit is a big deal, like, I'm like, well, times aren't that anymore. So, you know, you learn to, to fucking get with the program, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's so fucking weird. What, depression? Yeah. Because, like, a majority of my, like, literally half of my life has been, like, bro, I fucking hate today. Like, and then it's, like, now it's, like, bro, quit being a pussy. Like, come on, man. Like, life, <laughs> life is good. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Even if you ignore the subject matter of this song, mm-hmm. it's a really great pop tune. I mean, like, from a melodic yeah. standpoint and everything, mm-hmm. it's very simple. I mean, it's, like, the, it's got the usual 90s quiet verse explosive chorus the the main riff of this song have you ever seen the music video for this i have not i've heard it's like good it's like the band riding around in an ice cream truck <laughs> like in a, in a desert somewhere what <laughs> and and i think the main riff legitimately sounds like an ice cream truck tune ah like maybe that's where they got the inspiration for the video uh, or something but okay i, I can't I can't unhear it now. Okay. So probably every time you hear this song now, you're like, I want a Spider-Man popsicle. Exactly. <laughs> I want a, a Choco Taco or something. Oh, you're the Choco Taco guy. I never had a usual ice cream truck order. I would just get whatever I felt like. It was either Screwball, SpongeBob, or Spider-Man. And it was Sonic if they didn't have fucking SpongeBob. Yeah. The ones with the gummy eyes. Yeah. But like the gum is like like a rock. Bro, what the fuck? Who the fuck designs these things? Okay, so listen. Like, you're eating an ice cream. You got to get rid of the gum or it's going to fall out. And so you're chewing gum while eating a popsicle slash ice cream. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just leave them out. Just leave them out. One or the other, man. Like, I don't want... Because, like, 
you eat ice cream while you're chewing gum, the gum gets cold. It's hard to chew. And you're like, I got to take this shit out now. And you're like, bro, I haven't even finished. And there's fucking two of them. Like, I got to do this <laughs> twice. I have to do this twice. But you, have to, you have to sacrifice one. Yeah. You I'll, either eat the ice cream or you only have one gumball. And if you have the gum in and you have it in after the ice cream's gone, it like becomes like the most plastic fucking flavor you've ever had in your life because there's nothing left. Bro, fuck, bro, Dude, fuck ice cream. I have an observation. What's up? You're so full of stoner thoughts tonight. I, I say that with the most positive of, of meaning. Bruh. <laughs> I'm bro. so high right now, bro. <laughs> nah, I'm not. <laughs> well, hmm, maybe that's just my ADHD, but like, I, th- I think this, I this, think I have all kinds of stoner thoughts all the time. This whiskey's hitting you different, I think. Yeah, I'm also just really excited. Yeah. I'm having a good time. Yeah, um, I'll take it. I want more whiskey. I'll drink this beer first. I want more whiskey too. Yeah, today's a good song, man. It's that fucking de facto single type shit. Like, there's a reason it was so popular. I mean, it really is a catchy tune, mm-hmm. and they still play it on the radio, like even today. So, oh, 100 percent. Trying to think of other songs. Well, we can talk about disarm. This one's kind of like a. It, it sticks out. Like, I mean, there are like kind of like ballad esque tracks, like Sweet Sweet and Space Boy, but this one sticks out with like all of the extra like string instrumentation. And the church bell. Yeah, I was gonna say church bell. Like this one really is like way different than any other track on the record. After like the five first tracks of like fuzzy stoner shoegaze psychedelic rock. Yeah. Like when disarm comes on, it's like whoa. Here's a clear-headed, like sad yeah. ballad about Billy Corgan's childhood, and it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, it probably helps single it out a lot. It probably helps you pay attention a lot more. Yeah, the production on it is like less disorienting, mm-hmm. less fuzzy, like you said. It's got like um like a power chord acoustic, yeah, dun, mm-hmm. dun, dun, yeah, kind of fast tempo, very persistent rhythm. Mm-hmm. Bro, this is such. I don't really think about it until now, like upon like deeper analysis. I've probably heard this song I don't know twenty twenty five times. Let's say twenty five times. Just like never thought about it. Mm-hmm. I was always like, what does this mean? Disarm you with a smile. Like, what does that mean? I never like really understood like what the message or like the context of the song was until like research. Bro, Billy Corgan has lived like a crazy life. Like as a child, like. Did you look into his childhood? Yeah, like because he was like abused by both of his parents. And then like he had to like raise his younger brother, which was like handicapped, Jesse. I knew, I knew he had a handicapped brother because that's what Space Boy is about. Yeah. He kind of like had to help raise his brother, like become like um like foster parent, like, you know, like that like probably is like more prevalent than like I realize like by people I know and shit. Like I feel like um probably happens a lot more than people wanted to. Bro, we deliver to like some shitty parts of town sometimes and I'm just like thinking like, bro, how are these kids growing up sometimes? I remember one specific instance where I'm delivering and I'm waiting at this door and like this lady is sitting on her porch and like all these kids are out playing in the street and shit and then this kid comes up to this to this like almost like grandma she's like as old old enough to be my grandma and he's like this kid has my scooter and she looks at him and goes you go back there and you tell him to get the fuck off <sighs> your scooter right now and I'm like, bro, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, like what could, the hell is, like... You would never imagine, like, your parents trying to raise you that way. Yeah, I'm like... like in, in such a harsh manner. Yeah. yeah. We see some shit delivering. Dude, I've seen too much sometimes. I've, I've seen such 
horrible living situations. Uh-huh. Like people opening the door and like you can't see the carpet yeah. in their house because it's like covered in garbage. Garbage, yeah, yeah like, just like maple syrup junk. bottles and cardboard boxes and dude, like people's porches. I've delivered to houses where people's porches are covered with shit, like hoarding amounts of shit, like in tables, chairs. You deliver to the same house for years and then nothing ever changes. Nothing ever changes. Like they do this every day, and then you gotta think they're raising kids. Well, barely raising them. Within, mm-hmm. like, these living standards. And I'm like, whoa. Dude, I got a fucking good compared to these people. Yeah, man. Like, you just see shit. I've, I've seen people fucking overdose. Not, like, at that house, but, like, a few doors down. And, like, people are getting, like, put on an ambulance. And I'm like... Same. I'm like... Probably in Middletown. Yep. Of course. The best place on earth, ladies and gentlemen. Middletown, Ohio. Start manufacturing some steel, bro, and do some heroin. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. Is it the, the city motto? I guess. I don't know. Might as well be. Stay dirty, my friends. Dude, the air. There's a smell to the fucking air. I'm sure we're all breathing in some kind of like steel component that's Pollutant. been broken off by heat. I think those people like get paid. Like they, the people that live close enough to the plant get like I hope so. money. They get like money because of the living conditions. Like they get like their house cleaned and stuff by the city because their house gets covered in like soot. Mm-hmm. It's just wild. It feels illegal. Yeah. It's fucking wild. Like, you you think they would have thought, hey, maybe we shouldn't put houses here. I think they were built for, like, steel workers originally. Mm. And then... Live close. Eventually, they just went, eh, anyone can live here, I guess. <laughs> Look at us getting off track again. Fuck, dude. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. We're having a, hey, we're having a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I don't want to beat this arm over the head, though, because I feel like it's probably been talked about plenty. Yeah. I mean, this is a good tune. It is. I mean, it's definitely memorable. I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. Go for it. And I would, I'll say that I think this is one of, like, I love the melody of this song, but I think that it's one of Billy Corgan's most overwrought, like, vocal performances. Where, like, I know he's, like, a tortured guy, but he's, like, really playing up the torturedness on this one. When I initially recommended this album, I thought that Billy Corgan's voice was going to be, like, a make-or-break kind of thing for you. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this guy sounds like he always has, like, a sinus infection. Yeah, well, I said earlier, he sounds, like, really nasally. Yeah, and, like, just the way, like, I mean, sometimes he sounds, like, really fitting on top of the songs, mm-hmm. and then other times I'm, like, God, he's, like, he really got, help. The, he's got that, like, snarl to his voice. Yeah, I think a lot of the songs work well for that reason, because not like he's a terrible vocalist, but, like, sometimes he's unique, he gets, at least. yeah, of course, yeah, like, I, when I hear his voice, I'm, like, smashing pumpkins. Mm-hmm. I think the some of like the heavy instrumentation helps drown out some of the negative qualities. That's a good point. Which is fun. Music is the the combination of all the instrumentation and vocals put together. So I mean, you can't. There's a reason why it works, and there's a reason why it doesn't, and it's all subjective based on the subject matter. Yeah. I mean, it it works. It works well in this aspect. I agree. For that reason. That's the reason why I. I'm not a huge fan of all of their work because like the Smashing Pumpkins are like not one of my favorite bands. Like I think that this record is a classic and I think that the record that comes after this, the Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness are really great. Mm-hmm. But after that, yeah, what a title. I think that like their their output from like 2000s and onward, I just can't get behind it. No. And they, they kind of abandoned the, the fuzzy, you know, like shoegaze kind of aesthetic so this was like a good point in time where like they had the right, the right sound that fit his voice and the right like thematic quality to accompany exactly 
we've I think we've said it before, but like it's probably like the the case with a lot of bands like from the '90s and stuff, like Weezer. Like Weezer has a sound that they've never changed, and there's like a specific era of Weezer that works well. Mm-hmm. And I know like the recent record was like like I think it like received like pretty well like a like critical acclaim. I think it probably like it did all right. Probably like average like middle middle of the pack kind of record, but um like you know seven eight whatever. I'll say I didn't like it. Oh, I didn't listen to it. So I'll take, your, <laughs> I did I'll not take like your, it. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, like uh, bands like Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam's a great example. They have like they, a, they a golden have a, era. They have a golden era. And same with like, um, fuck, same with Pink Floyd, dude. Yeah. It's yeah. the same with like. Like post 70s. Like yeah. a lot of the music kind of like sucked, honestly. Yeah. It's okay though. Like if you go to their concerts, it's like, I want to hear the shit that I like and they're going to play the shit that you like. And Most likely. Even yeah. Dave, even Dave Matthews, like, um. I remember specifically one of uh, they played one of their more recent songs at one of the shows, like off of their uh, more recent records. I remember a lot of people like got up to go get alcohol, and my mom was like, "This is what real fans stay here for. They want they want to hear this shit." And I'm yeah. like, "Fair enough." But like you know, you don't pay attention to like the the new shit when you have like such a like a golden era, like a, a window of opportunity of like popularity and acclaim. Mm-hmm. That's a case with a lot of bands. I mean. I have a story that pertains to this, kind of. Go for it. I saw Paul McCartney in concert mm-hmm. in uh, 2019, and he was promoting like uh, some kind of new solo record. Mm-hmm. When he played, I mean, it was like 90% Beatles songs and like stuff with like Wings, the band. And he made a comment at the show, and he said, it's, it's funny, whenever we play old Beatles songs, the stadium lights up with like cameras and, you know, like people recording the performance. And he's like, when I play a new song, it's like a black hole in yep. here. So like, I think artists are aware of that. Oh, for sure. The vibe changes in the audience. Like, uh, people stop dancing and people like stand still. They they want to hear the hits. Yeah, they a hundred percent. There's very few bands that like keep fans on the train, like the high train, like yeah. throughout their entire career. I'm trying to think of a band that does, honestly. I hate to sound biased, but Radiohead's kind of like that. Like their fans are usually pretty consistent, like with liking all their records. But but I feel like, but they also have very obsessive fans. So I was gonna say, like I feel like, <laughs> I feel like if you're going to a Radiohead concert, you're like, yeah, man, I feel shit too, man. Like I'm here, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, you know what I mean? They're the type of band that like people will follow every record. And the Smashing Pumpkins are a band where, if you go to their show, most people have probably only listened up to Melancholy and The Infinite Sadness. That's some Blink-182 concert shit, you know? It's just like, mm, mm-hmm. let me hear it. Like, time to take a piss break or uh, go get a beer, because they're playing a new a new song. Let's get some nachos. <laughs> Bro, concert food's weird. You ever as, think about that? As in overpriced and not very good? Yeah, unless there's like a truck. Unless there's a food truck at the venue shit mm. changes but i've never been that lucky when we went to the dave concert it was at um i think it used to be like the verizon i think it used to be a verizon wireless arena in uh indiana yeah um I've seen a few shows there i cannot remember what it's called off the top of my head dude it's like a better river bend because the 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 hill is so elevated like the so like the lawn tickets dude lawn tickets are like that's where it's at because like when you're at um river bend here in cincinnati there's like a gradual slope to the lawn or from the seats and it feels like you're so far away mm-hmm. it feels like you're like 
so far away from the stage, but at, um, I wish I knew the the name of the the one in Indiana. It used to be called like the like a sort of the K. It was a very hard to pronounce word. Yeah, it's a weird one. But to my point, the lawn goes. There's such a high degree of elevation on the lawn that it's basically like seats and then like almost a like a forty not a forty five. Um, maybe like 90 a 90 degree angle almost like yeah well like it's like it's like ah. literally almost <laughs> it's like it's like almost fucking damn near straight up so like it's such a good venue to like go see a concert in the lawn no you're, you're it, right because uh you're uh less far away and you're more elevated and you can just like you feel a lot closer than you really are but also i think maybe the lawn um isn't as big as riverbend so that may be also be the case mm-hmm. riverbend's a good venue though it's hit or miss for me Really? I've seen some really great shows there, and I've seen some where, like, I thought it sucked. I thought, I think the PN, dude, the PNC Pavilion there, though, because it's a little bit more intimate, it's still pretty big. Mm-hmm. On, honestly, it's it's a pretty big venue. I've only seen one show there, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. I saw Logic there. Did you? Yeah. That'd be a good place to see him. It was, dude. It was a fucking killer concert. Dude, he puts on a good-ass show. Me and you both liked No Pressure. I went and saw him. It was right after the incredible true story. And I think um, the Bobby Tarantino mixtape had just dropped recently before that concert. So it was really good. It was before he like kind of hit it like a black, like he's a black hole. Like he would, if he would have played some of this shit, um, uh, some like supermarket or something or uh, yeah. what's the other one the called? Ill, Ill, uh, not Ill Mind. Ill Mind of Hobson. <laughs> it's a <laughs> con- confessions of a dangerous mind. Yeah, that shit sucks. There's one song on that album that I like, and I like it for 45 seconds. Mm. And it's like the outro. It's got some weird, like, space pop fucking vibe to it, and then it sucks. He's he's a inconsistent. Bro, we're fucking every, we're all over the place with this. Bro, you, keep, you keep taking us <laughs> I'm there. I'm sorry. Um, bro, can we talk about Mayonnaise? Yeah, I would love to. Okay, good. This is my favorite track on Mine, mine too. Oh, fuck you. Piss break. So you were mentioning that Mayonnaise is one of your favorite tracks, or it is your favorite track on the record, right? Yeah, I got two, but yeah. What is it about this track that sticks out to you or makes it one of your favorites? Something about like the repetition of the guitar, I like. That main arpeggio is gorgeous. It's spicy. It's good. Yes. And also like the intro and the outro, I couldn't help but think we were... Um, because me and you, after the last podcast, listened to the tree, the second Tree Sessions by Dance Gavin Dance. Mm-hmm. We discussed, like, oh, that's not a guilty pleasure, bro. This shit slaps. Because you're all right. Like, it's not a guilty pleasure. Like, you're allowed to like it. Dance but- Gavin Dance is a really technical band, you mm-hmm. know, and from an instrumental standpoint. I, I think the breaking point for most people is, like, the vocals. Mm-hmm. But, but they're I real mean- funky, man. Yeah, instrumentally, I mean, they're they're crazy. Don't want to get too off topic, but yeah, the the intro because they're like live sessions. Before they start the songs, they like lead in, I do a little jam, like a little jam beforehand. That's how like this song is. It's like intro and outro, or like that. Yeah, like, this warms you up. This song perfectly like brings you in and then takes you out of the track. Uh-huh. Like I mean, it, and I think it does it better than any of the other songs on the record. There's like a lyric in this song that i'm like bro that's some deep shit it was like one of my favorites what's that it's uh i'm rumored to the straight and narrow while the heralds of my peril scream 
You might have to decipher this for me, because I think that a lot of the poetry on this record is a, a little thick. Yeah, oh, for sure. It was like saying, like, now that everybody knows that I'm good, it's like you perceive me. It's like that shit's in the past, but while the heralds of my peril scream, being like, no, like, I still carry this shit around. Okay, that I'm glad you said that. Like, I still carry that shit around, and I haven't forgotten, but I'm good. Like, I'm good, man. You, like, learn to live better. There's, like, a day that goes by where I'm like, nah, I remember that, and I'll never forget it. But, like, you just learn to live with it better. Yeah. That's just the way, like, true pain and suffering that, like, and everyone has it, and not everybody talks about it, but, like, that's just the way it is. And, like, you, like, learn. Like, you're putting on, like, a facade for the, yeah. for, uh, the outside world. Yeah, and, like, not that that's a bad thing. Like, look, social life is a very complex thing. There's many layers to it, but, like, the way I see it is, like, I'm not going to act like n- like no shit never happened to me, and, like, I'll talk about it if anybody wants to know, and, like, I'll, like, give my two cents if you want it. Like, you learn to live. Like, I- I'll never forget it, and I'll, like, my f- best lessons in life and my best, like, my best, um like, moral baseline comes from that shit, and I'll never forget it. I'm not just my experiences mm-hmm. type of deal. Not to get, like, super poetic, like... Bro, I like to have fucking fun. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, I just never forget. I I never forget like some shit I've been through. Yeah. It hits me every day. Yeah, I just like learn to remember and like there some days are better than others. I feel like this was one of those songs where it was like kind of pointing that out cuz like the whole song is like one giant depressive episode. I feel like it was a good way to like to point out like like no, nah, it's going to be good. I I just won't forget. It's like what for that's what forgiveness is. It's not forgive and forget. It's, uh, no, I'll never forget what you did to me. You know, we're good. Like, it's okay. I'll never forget, but I forgive you. I'm so glad that you deciphered this lyric. Because, like, earlier I was criticizing the overwrought nature of some of the poetry and the Mm -hmm. lyrics on this record. But, I mean, like, that really, that makes a lot of sense. And then that's something I can relate to. And the other thing is, is, like, you can criticize getting beat over the head with, like, the, the thematic quality of the record oh man, I'm depressed and let me tell you about it. That's just how it is, man. Like you just don't forget. You can tell people and like, that's okay. I'm not just like my experiences is like kind of what I got from it. He had gone through so much and like had like had to grow up so fast. I feel like this song specifically just like, hey, I'm good. But like, yeah, man, I don't know. It's complex, man. Life is complex. That was a very unexpected deep dive. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's that's not a negative thing. I was expecting you to just like like this track. It was like a ballad, but like in loud form yeah. and like more melodic than a lot of the other songs. Don't get me wrong. I loved it for that aspect too. Like I, I was just thinking that you would like tackle it from that angle. But I mean, like I was I was not expecting that. I'm glad you said that because yeah. it really kind of deciphered the lyrics for me. But this is a beautiful song. It's great, dude. I'm we're fucking playing it after the podcast is over. We're gonna listen to some of the songs on this record. Oh yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, because I, I couldn't even play them in the car. I'm like, if I put if I play this shit, like I'm gonna want to talk about it. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, bro, listen, this shit is so good. One of the defining characteristics of this song, when the guitar hits this like certain melodic phrase. And then it stops, and like there's like this screeching feedback distortion. It's like very brief. I've never heard that like used in a track before, and it's like done really brilliantly. Is it um like a synthesizer? I would assume. What the feedback? Yeah, it's just guitar. Is it apparently like Billy Corgan owned this really old shitty guitar? <laughs> 
and like whenever you would strum a chord and then like stop it, it would have the screech at the end. So wow. they implemented that into the recording. What a somehow. way. Most people would be like, throw this guitar in the trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'll never use this shit again. Mm-hmm. This shit's unsavable. That's funny. But it kind of adds to like the bittersweet feeling of the track itself. I mean, like it is like yeah. a very sweet song, but I don't know. That the ugly, dissonant feedback is done so well. Dude, the production on this record is crazy. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. There's like something like really unique about every track even though like it feels like kind of like generic like way to start off the record with like a like a really heavy distortion grunge feel it's one of the few songs that like feel super generic and like it's kind of i I disagree so hard damn fuck i love that song dude i do too the way that that track opens up feels very theatrical well like i didn't mean it in a negative aspect I oh, know. you mean like, like I mean uh, like it's a uh, like the it's very like anthemic and yeah like um like a de facto kind of like radio single or something yeah I'm just I'm pointing out that like all the guitar parts don't feel they're all unique and they all work cohesively but they're not like repetitive in a way that makes a song sound like another song it's a positive like coming from that i'm not saying like no no yeah, yeah. no it's a good song no I'm not I wasn't like knocking it like that like it's a good thing. You know what song I really fucking love on this record? Tell me. It's my favorite other than uh, Mayonnaise. I love this song, Hummer. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. And I didn't know if this would be one of your favorites or not, but this one, like, from a structural standpoint... Like, Wild. It feels like it's very progressive, but it doesn't, like, overstay its welcome. Looking it's at like the timestamp, it's a, you know six minutes and 57 seconds. Yeah, yeah, seven minutes. But, I mean, it never gets repetitive. It never feels like it stays too long on one instrumental idea. Like it's just constantly moving, but it also doesn't feel like a clusterfuck at the same time. Yeah. Yes. That's okay. There's like clean guitar, heavy guitar, some humming guitar. Like the guitar is like a constant hum. Like it feels like a hum of feedback. Like like the, the main riff. Yeah. And like shit's layered in a way that like, you're like hopping between like these different tones. Yeah. It's like really unique. And yeah, there's no repeating parts, like one part of the song. I forget what I said earlier. Maybe it was quiet that I said that on. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think I said that there's no repeating parts. Maybe that was quiet. Mm-hmm. But it's Hummer. There's no repeating parts in Hummer. That's the song that they put together as like a whole. Or maybe I said that about Silverfuck. That's what I did. This like song specifically like helps showcase like the range of the album because like I in, completely agree. I was gonna say like in the first three, the first three songs is like you're getting like grunge. Quiet's like kind of like kind of get into the range a little bit, and it's like really aggressive. And then like today is like. Pull like the, off like the catchy like pop song of the yeah, record de facto type singles mm-hmm. and then like hummer is like nah bitches like we're like, like here's like some progressive rock <laughs> yeah, for yeah yeah i mean this track starts in a really interesting way it fades in with this very fuzzy like middle eastern sounding melody mm-hmm. before like the drums and the bass come in and then you get this like big anthemic wash of like power chords mm-hmm. but then the verse is like angelic and like kind of graceful and i don't know like this this song just like structures itself really interesting but i think the most captivating part of this track is actually like the last minute and 30 seconds where it quiets down yeah i have it I have that i have it written <laughs> down it says the the song really cools down towards the end. The outro is yeah. so... Uh, I just use the word angelic, but it's majestic or something. Yeah. 
it's like hard to like nail the tone of the album because like uh some of the album feels like really warm and then like in the same song you'll be like nah like this is like a a cool like sad tone and then you'll be like nah bro the humming of the guitar makes it really warm i was having the same thought today yeah like i've always associated this record with being like a summer album like even though it's like dark and stuff but like the fuzziness and like Maybe it's like the like end- brings a temperature like the like that constant like, hum and fuzz like littered throughout like it, is it so is, warm. It is a warm feeling. It really is. But then like but the, it's like same you get like the same irony because like you're having like you're getting like clean guitar and like dreamy percussion and like and then like you're getting like acoustic cool down songs like disarm and like even like mayonnaise is like really cold even though like it sounds like really angelic. It's like hard to like it's, it's hard to nail the tone. It's it's a conflicting a conflicting mm-hmm. tones hitting each other for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that like the way that Hummer kind of like goes and from like that loud to that very quiet like instrumentally like atmospheric part. A couple other tracks do that too. Like there's like a portion of like Geek USA. Yeah. That we haven't really talked about that track yet, which for the most part that song is like pummeling. Dude, I, when I was a kid, <laughs> me and Blake had a PlayStation 2, right? Yeah. You played like ATV, like motocross games, like the off-road games. Yeah, that fucking song, bro. Is it on? Is no, it on I'm of just, the games? I'm just saying, like, it reminds me of that because during those games, like, there's a constant soundtrack of like I don't know what you Ang- say, angsty uh, <laughs> yeah. rock music, like like a Tony Hawk or something. Yeah, or, like uh, um, Dave Mira's like a BMX or something like, like that. some Breaking Benjamin, some Rise Against, mm-hmm. uh, like you know shit like that, like uh, Papa Roach, like this song. <laughs> For some reason, I wrote down motocross soundtrack, like <laughs> from my childhood. Like it just reminds me of it. This song is like pummeling, though. I mean, the yeah. drumming is like probably the craziest that it gets throughout the entire record on this mm-hmm. one. Even this track, that's like super heavy and like in your face takes a brief second to like cool down and Mm -hmm. give you a little dreamy like aesthetic to it the track soma is like the inverse of that structure because other songs will like be loud and then briefly go into the quiet i was gonna say the song is like quiet that goes into loud for a brief moment slightly like psychedelic at like around four minutes you get like an like you move into that alt rock yeah like it kind of comes out of nowhere yeah it is the inverse, though. You're right. I didn't think about it like that. Of, like, that. the formula of the record, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because it's, like, uh, heavy with littered, angelic relaxation, and then you get, like, this one song that's, like, like you said, the inverse, the complete opposite. It's, like, angelic with the littering of heaviness. This is the one track on the album where, like, I always forget that it's there, and when yeah. I go back to listen to it and I hear this song... It's like an epiphany every time for me. Damn, bro. Like, holy shit. Like, this song's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, why? Like, when I think about the record, I always characterize it by, like, songs like the singles, like, Today and Disarm and Cherub Rock. And I think about Hummer and Mayonnaise. And those will be, like, the five defining songs of this record for me. But then when I hear Soma, I'm like, this song is, like, so angelic. Mm -hmm. How come I never think about this one? I'm on a different boat than you, though, when it comes to, like, songs I'll pick out. Like, I mean, I can listen to Today and Disarm, but I feel like I've heard them too many times I want to care. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I mean, t- Today and Disarm aren't, like, my favorites, but they're, like, I think you about can re- them because yeah. they're big. Mine would be, like, Mayonnaise, Space Boy, probably, like, that and, like, Luna. I was about to say, I feel like you like the track Luna. I do. 
Is it because my dog's named that? No. <laughs> Even though she's the love of my life. She's like my she's like my dog girlfriend. Like when I see her, I'm like, oh my god, I love you. She's my um what do you call it? My long distance dog relationship. Every time I see her, I'm like, you're my best friend. That's fair enough. Lou's a good dog. She's a good dog. Willow's a good dog too. I'm so mean to Willow. Not as mean as I have been. Sometimes I'll be like call her to pet and like she doesn't want pet. And I'm like like I'm trying to love you. Like she's like, I don't want it. She's a little funny. She fucking hates me, bro. Um, it's because you've been a dick for so. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. You're probably right. She's probably like, man, fuck this guy. Why do you keep having him over? That's why she'll chew on your hat tonight when you get to bed. Probably fucking right, dude. I'll like look at her in the morning and I'll be like, what the fuck, man? She's like, I heard your ass talking about me. You know what track on this record has never really clicked with me? What? There's like maybe two or three. The song Rocket. Dude, I have no fucking note written down for this song i think my brain turned off when it came on like this song has interesting elements to it but like every time i hear it it has never like broken the wall for me like it's never permeated my brain for any reason there is always a song on every album that we listen to i swear that we're like yeah i kind of forgot about this one it's not bad no like i think like the melt like the guitar melody is memorable the many like guitar overdubs that are done on this track, like, there's like these spacey delayed tracks that really do kind of sound like interstellar and spacey. And I mean, like they, they was, nail... like last off kind of thing. Yeah. I mean like a launch, the last like 30 seconds is a yeah. blast off. Yeah. Like it really, it's probably like the best musical, at least like in a rock sense, the Man. best equivalent I've ever heard of like a rocket launching off. And it's really cool, but the tune doesn't translate for me. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. Like, I'm not going to have much to say for that reason. Because, like... Yeah. Dude, I'm going to forget about this song. And, like, I'm going to, like... This is, like, one of, like, the most beloved tracks in the album, too. Really? It was a single. And it was, like, decently big. Nah, dude. No, yeah, I, don't, I don't... Like, I don't get it. No, I mean, Something like, about it, man. I'm just, like... All right. It's not know. a bad song. I mean, I'm not, like... I feel like we did it like like with Daft Punk, for example. There was a couple songs I'm like, yeah, this song's good, but like I don't remember it like after this, and like I can't, I don't even remember the names of them right now. I remember there's like two tracks in the back half of the record that I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that those exist. I think even like the most like classic of records, there's always like a Black Sheep or like some the, the most ten out of ten record. They is, always have. There's always shit. that track. Yeah, hundred percent. And this is one of those for me. Yeah, you're right. I want to talk about Space Boy. Okay. Like, uh, the acoustic guitar is, like, the main aspect, I feel like, of this song. This is, like, one of the one of the songs where it's, like, pulling away from, like, the heavy riff and, like, a lot of, like, the overdub, and it's, like, a little bit more, like, intimate. And it obviously is, like, intimate and personal because, like, it's specifically talking about his younger brother, Jesse, that's handicapped, being Space Boy. I love the way that this song sounds. It's so hard to describe. It just feels like... Like a love song to your bro. Like like the lyrics or whatever you choose, it won't be wrong. Whatever you choose, we won't belong. Being like outcast, like them both being outcast and like like I did my I did my research. Uh because as they got older, he became less like a father figure to him and more like a friend. Saying like, I can be whatever role you want, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, like, no matter what, bro, like, we're fucking outcasts, so don't worry about it kind of deal. Yeah. I, lo- I just, um, I love, like, the intimacy. I feel like there's, like, few songs that I can think of where it's, like, an artist talking about a sibling 
in like such an intimate and personal way. It feels like really unique in that aspect. I agree. Is it controversial for me to say that I think this is the superior ballad on the record as no. compared to like Disarm? No, dude. To me, like I, they stick out more than them. I think it's like like it's such a more unique topic, I guess. Yeah, as opposed I mean, you're talking to like, like a relationship or like childhood or something. Yeah, like uh, talking about like your your handicapped brother that you had to raise and like just feeling um, like that relationship dynamic and like portraying that in a song is just like so interesting. And it also it's just like a really beautiful song. Like it sounds amazing. This one like resonates with me more emotionally than any other song on the record. Yeah. Besides like maybe like mayonnaise. And that's like the other like one that hits me a little harder. But yeah, I'm glad that you singled this one out because... These are my two favorites, Mayonnaise and Space Boy. This one doesn't seem to be singled out as often. Really? I figured people would love this, like, like give this a lot of praise. This ain't, like, one of the the defining tracks of this record for most people. Damn, Even like, I me, loved it. when I think about it, like, when I think about the record, I don't think back to this one super often that's good i'm gonna be the opposite i'm but i'm only gonna think like this is gonna be one of those songs where i think about that but every time like that opening slide acoustic guitar comes in i'm like oh yeah this song's really great <laughs> yeah. like i'm stupid for forgetting it i will play it many a time after this mm-hmm. i'm so excited dude the great thing about listening to an album as a whole is that you just find fucking gems that are like lost and not included in like playlists it's just like nice to to find shit that you're like damn like why don't people talk about this like songs like that where i'm just like and and mayonnaise where i'm like fuck like this is impeccable i don't don't know because time keeps chugging along and there's always new music to catch on to and you got fucking a bunch of horse shit dude call me a fucking old soul but like do you ever just feel like that a lot of like the top hits suck ass yes but i think it's kind of always been that way well like think about this like the beals were like always on the top but if you think about it like other artists were on top around that time yeah like okay. maybe like in the number two spot and, and like probably forgotten yeah like well certain stuff just gets remembered and other stuff gets forgotten and that's just how history is i mean it's weird History is weird. Let's talk about Luna. It'd be a great way to wrap it up anyway. What a good dog. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, she, dude. <laughs> love her in my life. Um, this um, this track is kind of forgotten a lot of the time, too. From what I understand, it's like a love song written to a person that didn't know that Billy Corgan loved. They didn't know that he is in love with them. Like, it's rumored that it's Courtney Love, but like, I don't really know. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, I'm actually not sure. It's a really like um, ambiguous. You don't really understand like what what the context of the emotion driving the song is. But it's a really beautiful song. Yeah, this one really is beautiful. <laughs> it's like if Space Boy was a love song to a lover mm-hmm. instead of you know like a, a love song and appreciation of a brother. And it's such a, like a peaceful way to end the album. There's like some like high points of the record that are like fucking heavy and like how we said earlier that like explore the range of a band and like the sound you can achieve within one song and like songs with like Silverfuck and Hummer and even like Soma going from like soft to loud to soft again. And like uh, I feel like this is such a good way to like cool off the album as like an outro. I agree. Like, I'm glad they didn't go for, like, a big epic finale or something. Yeah. Like, it's perfect. Like, all of the heavy cuts can be, like, towards the middle to 
beginning range. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, this album ends with Sweet Sweet and Luna. If you cut Silverfuck, which I think maybe they could have, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a controversial opinion or not, but if you cut Silverfuck, the last trio of tracks would be Space Boy, Sweet Sweet, and Luna. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a perfect way to send the record off. Mm-hmm. I like Silverfuck, but it's not in like an album contextually. I like it in a way is that it feels like a Pink Floyd grunge song. Like yeah. I, I like I like I only appreciate it in that aspect. I agree. It's not perfect though. Like I mean, I'm not gonna enjoy it every time I turn it on. I got to be in a mood for it. Yeah, it's not one I ever like single out on its own or anything. I get like really like kind of lost in it though. It's like towards the middle to the back half of that song, which just reminds me of the Pink Floyd aspect of it. Do you know why I don't like that song that much? Why? Well, I can't say I don't like it, but... Does it resonate with you as much? There's a portion at the end of the song where, like, all the guitars drop out and, like, the bass and drums are the only mm-hmm. instrumental portions that are left. And Billy Corgan delivers these lines about, like, bang, bang, you're dead. Oh, like, yeah. And I, I kind of forgot about that. Every time I hear it, it, like, gives me a little bit of cringe. Mm. And now I'm you like, know how I feel about Maxwell's Silver Hammer. No. Bang, bang. Maxwell's. <laughs> That's a good tune. No. That's a good tune. That's a fucking bar fucking ditty. I disagree. We be disagree. We agree to disagree. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was like a good dreamy way to end the album. I'm glad you like really took to this because I, I wasn't sure if you were going to. I mean, it was hard. Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, it, like I had to like put myself in like a st- in a state of a state of mind that like was ready to like receive the album cuz like i disagreed with it at first so i was just like mm. Mm. and i was like ang- I-, I literally was so anxious i'm like and you're on vacation and i'm like ah oh, man like i don't know if i'm going to like this like i don't want him to come back from vacation and be disappointed that i didn't like it ah oh, fuck man like, i'm not i'm not going to like this record i i knew that i was like taking a gamble well you fucking mirrored me with the last recommendation anyway with the king so mm. that's just how it is yeah we push we push the comfort zone man yeah we want to challenge each other i think that's like kind of the fun it is the fun episodes like this are like usually the most like exciting and the most like i have like the most revelations of like what can i appreciate like i said earlier it helps um it like increases my catalog of like shit i can recommend and like shit i can appreciate and like like recommend people like if people are like oh i like this i'm like oh have you ever heard or like oh have you ever seen like help it just like increases my knowledge it's fun it's really like that's my favorite part do you think that your appreciation of this album would cause you to check out other 90s alt rock or maybe like have a more open ear to stuff like that well i want to listen to their next record after this melancholy is definitely worthy of a listen although I'm not sure if I've told you this before, but like, I really don't like double albums, which is what that record is. It's 30 songs. And I think. So I'll have to take it one step at a time. Double albums are, in my opinion, usually. Like, you hate the white album for that reason. Yeah. Like, I I usually think that, like, you can cut down a double album to. An album. Yeah. 14, you know, go like 12 to 14 tracks of the best material and then. There you go. Save the rest for a fucking deluxe edition. Yeah, or like cut the other tracks for an EP or something. Or yeah, it kills Dude, double, me. That's gonna say like um, was uh was Scorpion by Drake a double album? Yes. Yeah, like what the fuck, dude? I don't like, think it would have been good if it was a single album, but I mean it would have been a whole lot more tolerable to get through. I'm kind of upset that he came up on the podcast because he's not worthy of it. But on the Smashing Pumpkins podcast, it might be a little out of place. Yeah. But I mean, we we talk about all sorts of shit on here. 
You talk about, about Brockhampton and Radiohead and Frank the, Ocean and whatever. The, the difference in lawn elevation and a, and a concert venue. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, it was a good record, though. Like, um, now it's like with uh, the Beatles. Like, I'll throw on Abbey Road. Like, I'll throw on songs from Abbey Road because I fucking love them. Like, I'd, yeah. And I'll throw on tracks from Daft Punk and there you go. whatnot now. So, my loose recommendation fuck it. It's a fucking rec- it, Like, it, it's a rating. Like, no, nah, this is my fucking final answer. This is the verdict. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. Wow, okay. It's fucking damn near perfect, but songs like Rocket, shit like Silver Fuck. I think even Quiet, it's kind of like in the lower tier of tracks for yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. This record, considering the context of like the era of music, like pushing the limits of production, like being really experimental... For like the '90s of grunge alt rock era, uh, I appreciate it a lot. It reminded me of some of my favorite songs, like from Pink Floyd. It reminded me some of some of my like favorite intimate songs, like from like My Chemical Romance. And I appreciated the intimacy, and I appreciated like a lot of like the thematic qualities. The production was crazy. Again, like the overdubbing of guitar, like achieving like different moods and tones throughout a singular song within like five to six minutes is like really hard to do even like by today's standards. And so like I liked it a lot and I appreciated it, but like it's crazy to think that I liked it so much because at first I'm like, "Mm -mm." I I would also give it a a nine out of 10. I I wasn't expecting you to go so high on it. I appreciated it. For for both of us, if we both want to give some key tracks, if you have the name three or four, what's what's your uh, your track picks? I'm sure a lot of people have heard Disarm and Today, so let's leave them out. But like Mayonnaise, Space Boy, and if I had to give like a banger, it's either like Hummer, probably either Hummer or like uh, Sherub Rock. Sherub Rock is like a good anthem. That's a good way to like get like an anthemic song into a recommendation. I think my track picks might be the same. Hummer and Mayonnaise are the top tier for me, and then mm. I'd go Share a Brock and I love Space Boy. So good. yeah, and I'd go I'd go Luna and maybe Soma's in there too. But yeah. yeah, those are the ones that stick out to me. So oh fuck man, Austin. I almost, almost forgot. <laughs> Before we leave today, what have you been cooking up for me? What's your recommendation? Okay, so I actually haven't seen this yet. I'm doing a film. I was gonna do. I think I probably already said it earlier, but I was saying about doing a Brockhampton record. I almost did Iridescence, but me and you. I mean, you have talked about iridescence enough on our own to where, like, fuck, we were talking about in the car today. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I'm anticipating their new record and I was like hoping to get hyped up. And I was thinking, like, oh, I'll recommend the new Brockhampton record that's coming out. But we don't know when it's dropping. It's oh, wait, no, April, it's April 9th. It's April 9th. Yeah. But, and I knew like we were getting that release date. Even then, I was like, we're going to, I'm going to want to talk about it way too much with you at work and shit. I'll litter it in on the next podcast. We'll talk about it briefly or some shit. It'll be two weeks from now. And so I'm going to do a film. And I think I might have mentioned it before on a previous podcast, maybe. Or I know I've talked about it with you, but I want to watch. I've only seen the first 30 minutes. I didn't have time to finish it. I worked fucking 47 hours last week. I'm so tired. I got to do it again this week. I'm doing um, another round. It's, uh, it's a foreign film. It's a new film. Uh, it came out this year. It came out like a like a month or two ago. It's from Denmark. It's got um, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. came out December 4th, 2020. Four high school teachers consume alcohol on a daily basis to see how they're, oh. how it affects their social and professional lives. Okay, you, you have told me about this before. Yeah, we were in the office at work. That's where I told you. 
It's got um he's uh yeah, Mads Mickelson. I was gonna say that. Was he was like, in the King, right? No, 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 he wasn't. No, he's uh but he's in um plays Hannibal Lecter in like the series Hannibal. Ah, okay. And okay. he also is in Death Stranding, the uh the Kojima game. Okay. So okay. he's a he's an interesting actor. It'll be fun. I actually haven't seen it all yet because I like I said fucking hectic week. I started it, got like thirty minutes in, and I was like, nah, I gotta go work out. It'll be uh it'll be exciting to uh, it'll be a foreign film. Where you're gonna have to read subtitles. That's okay. But it's a it's an interesting premise, and um it's got a lot of critical acclaim. And I like I said, I haven't finished the movie yet, but from what I saw so far, um I really enjoyed the way it was headed. So I'm probably gonna watch it. Um, sometime throughout this week, I watched it uh, once or twice more after the first viewing, and we'll see what happens when we come back to the uh, the next podcast. This is very out of left field, but I, I appreciate it. I think that this is the first movie that we've talked about that requires English subtitles. Yeah. So this this will be it'll be a good one. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be uh, interesting to see the uh, the way we perceive the acting, knowing that there's subtitles right in front of us and stuff, and mm-hmm. see how the story how we take it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, man. I'm ready for it. This has been fun. This was one of our best podcasts. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed this one quite a bit. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We had a lot of fun on this one. Adios. Mm-hmm.